What a beautiful day to be alive. Welcome to the You Can Do It Too podcast. Yes, you can do it too. My primary mission in this podcast is to empower minority youths and young professionals around the globe to imagine beyond any limits and strive to be their best self. Who am I? I am many things. I am a son, a brother, a husband, a friend. I'm an engineer. I'm a medical student at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School, Hooken. Well, if you ask me to be specific, I'm a problem solver. I'm a critical thinker. I would love to see you reach your full potential. Yes, you. You have what it takes. I'm rooting for you. Beautiful morning, first yes. of all. Thank you so much for joining. I know it is early. <laughs> oh, this is, you know, after you do rotations for a year, this is light work. No big deal. <laughs> wow. What time usually they get you out in the hospital? There? You know, I was only on, like, uh, surgery was probably the one rotation where, you know, sometimes I'd have to be up at, like, 4.30 if we needed to start rounding at 5. Mm-hmm. Or we would round at, like, 5.30. I need to pre-chart, do all of that. So it would need to be here by 5. But may need to be here by 4.50, so I have time to walk. So, you wow. know. I'm like, this is okay. I've done this before. <laughs> have you ever forget uh, to set up your alarm and then you were late? <laughs> um, has that, Actually, yes. Most definitely. I shouldn't even hesitate. Yes. What <laughs> happened? <laughs> you know, I think it was honestly a, a big lesson in medical school that like that stuff happens mm-hmm. and you just tell them and you show up mm-hmm. in humility and you just do your job. You know, wow. I think um, we put a lot of like pressure on ourselves to be perfect but the residents know that like we're just figuring this out mm-hmm. we're shifting our schedules we're shifting our mindset so as long as you show up you know apologize and just get your work done and be effective i mm-hmm. i never had a resident like completely destroy me because i was like <laughs> yeah yeah that is amazing that is amazing mm-hmm. Let, let's go all the way back uh, let's go where, where were you born I was born in Nigeria. Nigeria. When, when did you come to the U.S.? I came when I was two. So um, my parents were in their 30s. I was two. Um, mm. And that's when we immigrated first. They all the moved US. here. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the reason that uh, they moved here? For the first yeah. Time? Yeah. So my, my, honestly, the root of it was concerns about safety. Mm. Um, I know my mom in particular had gotten to the point where she just felt, um, one, there were, certain aspects of unsafety, things that my, my dad um, had experienced, mm. like life-threatening situations that had happened. Oh, wow. um, and then also just, she just felt an impression on her heart. My mom is that kind of person. She was just like, I just feel there's more we for us. We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> we have got to go. So um, on top of that, my dad and my mom ran a small business together. Um, they were also pastors, but my dad wanted to pursue graduate school. So mm. he got... We the way we were officially able to come was because he was getting his MBA, so he got into a school, and so that's when they were like, "All right, we now have like a means to to leave." Wow, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Were you just how many siblings do you have? I have um, two siblings, um, but before or after one older than me, who's um, how old is my brother? Twenty six, okay. <laughs> or did he just turn twenty seven? He just turned twenty seven, and then I have a little brother that's thirteen, so he wow. was like the oops. <laughs> <laughs> like many many years later he yeah. doesn't want to hear <laughs> <laughs> he knows it's okay you know it happens <laughs> wow that's amazing 26 mm-hmm. so 
I'm not gonna try to guess your age. Oh no, so exactly. You are, you so are you know. I'm young too. Yeah, I, I took a year off. Because I'm 24, so I'm sure. <laughs> For sure, 24. <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's good. So let's talk about that a little bit. So did I have you ever gone back to Nigeria mm-hmm. since? Mm-hmm. You go often? I used to go more often when I was younger. Um, then I mean the reality is it's just crazy expensive. For yeah. the whole family of to course. go. Of so course. I think the last time I went, I was in eighth grade okay. or something like that. But we, there was like a couple years in a row that we were going. At some point, they say, I've done everything I can it, for you. Exactly. It's up to you it's to go to, to you. your home. They're like, whenever you're ready, you can go back. <laughs> I don't have that responsibility anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. So um, being that your parents were pastors, I'm sure they had a big family back in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. How was mm-hmm. that? Uh, I mean... I know your mom had that that uh, feeling that you guys needed to to get out, yeah. but it's also hard mm-hmm. to come in a country. Of course, here you are f- trying to find opportunities and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. you are always at work. But to separate that social yeah. uh, atmosphere that kind of carry you in 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 African countries, mm-hmm. that culture. Mm-hmm. How hard was that for them to adapt here when they got here? You know, it's not something that. I feel they have either known how to articulate or have cared to articulate to me until more recently. And I think, like, my context was in college, I studied African studies. I started to, I knew, I was like, this had to be hard. But in learning more about, you know, the history and Mm -hmm. what uh, migration processes and movements have looked like, I was like, no, this must have been actually very hard. Mm -hmm. So going back with them and having these conversations, like, how did you... How did you do it? So it's only been more recently that I've learned, you know, um, more about experiencing my parents. My mom first, I think, was the one that experienced racism in this country. Mm. My dad was kind of like, oh, you know, you just have to work hard. You know, he went to business school. Blah, 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 as but, long as he doesn't want me, I don't care. <laughs> you know, and exactly. And he's like, it's not my problem. It's the Americans' problems. But I think at their own different phases they started to experience you know mm. that the pressure um just from a race perspective in this country with my dad difficulties getting jobs at point um with my mom just like interactions here and there being made to feel less than and in them pastoring really struggling to connect with the community when mm. back home that was not a problem for them at all like mm. everything was tight-knit community it was easy for them but they come here and they feel like they're walking on eggshells just to try to talk to people that are different than them. And I would say with, with family-wise, um, I, think, I think there's something about when parents immigrate and there's just this tenacity that gets into them and they just do it because mm. my parents, my mom comes from a kind of dysfunctional family. So for her, she was like, this is for my new family. Like, mm. this is what I have to do. And... My parents struggled when they first got here, drove an ice cream, ice cream truck, even um, before my dad was able to start school, mm. working all sorts of different jobs. But they were like, this is, the deci- this is what we had to do. And wow. they felt that God had called them to do it, and they weren't going back. Wow. Yeah. So during your childhood growing up, mm-hmm. right, I know, many, I mean, us, the, in, our, in our culture, mm-hmm. we are often proud of our, of our culture, yeah. some of the amazing things that are in our culture mm-hmm. right the idea of identity self-identity knowing who you are mm-hmm. and all of that uh so 
no matter where we go, we tend to remember those good things, yeah, right? Yeah. I think there's something beautiful about knowing where you came from and who you are as people. Mm-hmm. And you try to bring that wherever you go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, in the new place, some places that you go, you have all these other identities, mm-hmm. uh, like mm-hmm. in the U.S. So your parents had to deal with that. Yeah. How did they make sure that as you guys were growing up, you did not just get that one side, like the American culture, right. and get both sides of the cultures. Right. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of, there's a big African, um, it's Nigerian-based, but Proverbs. church. Yeah. Um, well, not even proper, like a church that is literally all over the world. Mm. Um, it's called Re- Redeemed Christian Church of God. It's, I heard about it. Yeah, wow. Most people have. It's literally, when I was... And where I was in um, the Virgin Islands, and I saw a redeemed Christian. I was like, "Are you kidding me? How are these people literally everywhere?" So we went to one of those growing up, and it it feels like you're just basically in Nigeria in terms of the culture. The when we're singing our like the songs, it's all in our native languages, um, or in pidgin, which is like our broken languages. Um, so I think going to that church for like a lot of my formative years, up until like fifth or sixth grade. I mean, beyond what my parents could do, that was a huge infiltration of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, honestly, just they didn't do, I don't know that they did it on purpose. They just came to a church that they, they knew from back home. But going to that church, definitely. Like, I learned, you know, the importance of greeting and honoring your elders and, like, all of those things that um, are just day-to-day life in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. You can experience that when you go to a place like that. Um, I always blame my parents. They did not force us to keep Igbo. That's the language I speak. I should speak, but I like kind of speak and I understand pretty well. So I, I, my mom and dad didn't speak it all the time. They spoke English uh, most of the time. So that's one place where I'm like, y'all had one job. (laughs) Make sure I can speak Igbo, but yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. Uh, Talking about uh, respecting elders and Mm -hmm. stuff. I I remember when I came here, one of my challenges was transitioning from specific actions that I had learned mm-hmm. to show respect of my elders mm-hmm. to, to hear, right? For example, when you check the hands of an elder, you hold, you put your left hand under the right hand mm-hmm. before you check. That's showing them, okay, you are, I put you at a higher esteem, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And uh, just when you are walking with an elder, just walking a little bit behind them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To give them that freedom to live or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. hard for me uh, to change that. But that's amazing. So your parents coming to the United States and having to adapt to all of that yeah. and uh, really grinding hard mm-hmm. to build a mm-hmm. life for their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you growing up, what was that atmosphere? Was it like for your education? Was it an expectation or was it a requirement? Like how hard was that? <laughs> all of the above. All There was no other way. You know, I think especially, you know, you know, fortunately, both my parents at least had undergraduate level of education. Then my dad went on to get his his MBA. Um, that was like education. There was no other way. That's what you were gonna do. I, my parents, I don't remember exclusively them telling me I should be a doctor and engineer, but I'm convinced they had. They must have whispered it. Like they must have been whispering in my ear because I mean, even from a young age, I I really like school. I like to learn, and it was just yeah, that same. You know, for them, it was like school is the way to get you to the next state, the mm-hmm. next place that you want to be. Um, school is the way for you to feel stable, for you to feel solid. So, yeah, 
there wow. there's no other way. What were you guys in Atlanta or Houston? Uh, Houston. Houston. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Houston. That's good to know. We kind of we honestly we we've been in different places in Texas. We lived in the suburbs of Dallas, Plano for that first bit of my life. There was a, when my dad was in grad school in Philadelphia, we lived up there. So we've moved around a little bit, but I would say um, Houston, or really it's suburb of Houston, the Woodlands is where we've lived the most. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Woodlands. I know. See, that was after my dad got my job. The story gets good. That was after my dad got his job and things drastically changed um, wow. for our family, which was okay. good. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, when did medicine come in the picture? When did you say, okay, this is something that I may try? Yeah, I honestly... I don't know. Um, I really don't know specifically when it happened. I do remember in high school thinking like, maybe I'm gonna do something with business because I like interacting with people. I specifically, my mom, be, my mom being like, no, don't do that. Because like, you're gonna have to, you know, it's all about, you know, who you know and networking and that's too much work. You need yeah. to go for something that is just your books and your knowledge. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I don't remember when it specifically became medicine, but by the time I was graduating high school, I was like, I'm going into college pre-med um, mm-hmm. because I really enjoyed biology and thinking about um, the body as a system, and and I also really really enjoyed serving um, community service and helping people. The stereotypical pre med, like I like science and I like to help people. <laughs> that was kind of my basic explanation when I was starting college. Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! What school did you go to? High school? What high school did you go to? Again? Um, so it's called the John Cooper School. John Cooper. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I usually go with like why rice instead of UT Austin, but mm-hmm. thinking back then, rice was the number one school in Texas, so <laughs> anybody, anybody would love to go. Yeah. I remember tooling rice, actually, oh, Rice really? University, yeah. and I did not like all the trees. You didn't like it? That's like the, the main selling point, they're I like, in like our lovely it, trees. I, maybe it was because that day it was raining oh, in Houston, yeah. and everything seemed mood and saggy and dark. <laughs> And I came to UT, and everything was sunny and mm-hmm, all of that. Mm-hmm. I did not like the campus that much. I see. But it was definitely uh, the number one school in Texas. Mm-hmm. So, what were you a good school? I'm sure you, you were a good student <laughs> in high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was uh, Rice uh, a dream school? Like, how did you get into Rice? You know, it was. It's really funny. As every, I feel like mother, daughter, dyad. We, my mom and I, were butting heads a lot. By the end of like my junior year of high school, you could have not told me I was going to go to Rice because I was trying to go to like University of Honolulu or like just get out. <laughs> like I wanted to go as far away from home as possible. But then my senior year, my mom and I's relationship got a lot better. Mm-hmm. I also started to think about man, if I leave my little brother, I'm going to completely miss him growing up because at that time I mean he was he was just a kid you know what I'm saying so going to Rice was yes the academic you know component of it I in contrast really liked my (laughs) Rice tour and I really liked um, the environment I liked that Rice um, had a focus on the humanities and on the sciences and like I even in high school I really enjoyed writing and history Um, and then yeah it was close to home by senior year I was like I want to stay close to home I want to be able to see my little brother grow up. I was really, my, you know, my parents not have become pastors of their own church, and I was really cert, like invested there, and I was like, wow. I want to help out there. Um, so yeah, it was a very big turn of events because junior year I was trying to like get out. <laughs> I was trying to get out as quickly as possible. I heard it a lot. I mean, in uh, many uh, 
black families mm-hmm. are usually there is that time around uh, teenage year where the the daughter and the mother don't really exactly. go hand in hand. Don't get along. <laughs> I think one of the reasons could be the fact that the mom has gone through a lot of things mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. have this expectation on like they want to see you grow and make sure that you don't go through the same things that you mm-hmm. that she went through. Mm-hmm. And she's seeing you doing things that doesn't align with that and she doesn't want, she cannot not tell you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like it's hard for them to um well, not even hard. They don't want you, like you're saying, they don't want you to live it out. Mm. You know, they learned because they went through it, but they're like, if I can just keep my daughter from even having to go through that, mm. that would be the way I would prefer for this yeah. to be, for sure. And you don't know until you're like, oh, wow, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. It's. I think it's been in being married that I'm gaining so much more appreciation and understanding for my mom and just the way she did things. I wouldn't do everything exactly the same, but I feel like I'm getting a lot more appreciation for her process and how she did things. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So rice, rice, number one school uh, in Texas <laughs> at the time. It's a very hard school, and you coming in there. Um, I'm sure black people are minorities mm-hmm, in the school mm-hmm. uh, still, and uh, it's a very hard school, and uh, definitely, there's no doubt that everyone i mean that you're gonna come and succeed in that school mm-hmm. but the atmosphere uh, that that school can create for people that look like us yeah, yeah. can be hard to to adapt right. and be your full self uh talk about that beginning when you came in as a freshman how hard was it to find your community yeah you know so i re- just like specifically remember coming back home to my parents home and just feeling like just the greatest amount of imposter syndrome. Like I just felt like these people are better than me, they're smarter than me. Um, And I was just struggling. I was struggling. um, I think I was struggling for a lot of reasons. So like when your community situation's not right, it affects your academics, it affects affects your performance in every way. And like coming from a school like John Cooper where by the time I was graduating, I had started to have what I call like my black awakening, because I mean, the Woodlands, you, it sounds like you know what the Woodlands is. Yeah. Very, very white area. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was graduating high school, I was like the only dark skinned black person in my grade. Mm-hmm. So like, I had just been like, there, you know, oh, I'm on the flyers, you know, <laughs> like they, they broadcast me. So I was coming to Rice being like, you know, I'm gonna find good community. Mm-hmm. But that first year, I just, struggled like I just didn't know I had never had a black community outside of basketball I played basketball in high mm. school and my blackness was when I went to go play basketball in Houston wow. but then I come to college and I you know I was you know to my mom's great sadness I decided not to play basketball in college mm. and so there went that community it wasn't going to be from basketball I just didn't know I had never had just like friends that were black mm-hmm. um so I started doing the rice thing, which if you remember, they have the residential college system. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make friends in that. It just was not clicking. Mm-hmm. And so it was affecting my self-confidence, how I was performing. I didn't do terribly, but I questioned a lot, like, was this the right school for me? It just felt, it just felt really difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I feel like it's all about it's going back to finding the identity of who mm-hmm. you are, mm-hmm. right? You've been in this atmosphere in high school where you're not used to that and you're coming in college really wanting to find that community 
and when it's not clicking you feel like it's something about you exactly. maybe you don't know how to be in that community maybe people say maybe not black enough or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. like how did you overcome that um you know i think when you just get to a point of like you recognize that what you're doing isn't working mm-hmm. you know you got to do something else you got to put yourself out there and you're right i think a lot of it is d- splitting like don't in, not internalizing mm-hmm. all these challenges you're going mm-hmm. through also meeting other black freshmen at rice and realizing a lot of us were kind of struggling so that made me feel a lot better and then you know when you see that first african student association of black student association meeting just go like just pushing yourself you know worrying less about oh i need to make x y and z friends i should be doing this is like no my goal for today is to show up at this meeting yeah and to say hi to one person yeah. and breaking down the goals i mean i think if someone is academically achieving we do that with our studies all the time mm-hmm. but we have to do that with community building as well like yeah. not oh i'm trying to like have this group of people and did it like just make it simple i'm gonna show up at this today i'm gonna show up at that today and i think that really helped me build build community wow mm-hmm. this is definitely great and uh, i had similar experience coming into places where you you know that you have to squeeze yourself you have to right. find a place mm-hmm. you have to find some place mm-hmm. and because of that you start planifying and anything about planifying something mm-hmm. mean you have to do something that you're not used to so you are not really being yourself mm-hmm. right and uh, i've only saw you maybe three or four times since i got into mm-hmm. uh, medical school but i noticed you have this amazing uh kind of candor when you are <laughs> in your full self you just uh, that smile that kind of is attractive to people mm-hmm. and get people welcoming but i feel like when you start planning that full self cannot come out so right good. yeah and if you go back to that and think about man i should have just been myself yeah and everybody would be coming yeah. uh, i mean it, it's just it's that dynamic like i realized that because i had a similar experience where i mean every time you got a new thing you want to plan okay how can i come in and fit quickly yeah. but you don't realize that just be yourself exactly right? and people are just gonna gonna start exactly yeah. and it's like and also be yourself because doing anything else is not sustainable yeah. you know it's just not it's not sustainable at some point it's gonna catch up to you and you're like wow i'm exhausted because yeah. i'm pretending to be something i'm not so yeah. it's easier to just be yourself from the beginning wow that's good so your major was uh you say african so i my major was in health sciences health which science. was essentially public health yeah. and then my minor was in african studies so did you go you knew from when you got to college that you were going to keep going pre med or were there any times where it was shaky <laughs> oh yes after physics that's after when physics. it <laughs> well you're an engineer i'm like i shouldn't know you you could have just done my work for me <laughs> <laughs> no physics shook me i was like this is ridiculous cuz i think by that was my sophomore year that i was just like why do i have to take this class and it it was you know i got through biology got through um you know first semester of organic chemistry and i was like okay like this is this is manageable physics and honestly both semesters physics wrecked me mm-hmm. and i just i'm not a physics minded person and i also had very little motivation to try mm-hmm. i look back and i'm like there are, i could have list out all the things i could have done better but mm-hmm. i think in my heart i just didn't want to yeah. <laughs> i just didn't want to and i remember the first semester after taking physics calling my parents and being like 
Sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> this, is the, <laughs> this is the end. This is the end of the road. And my alternative was um, I was thinking about going to PA school because mm. in my head I was like, you know, at least in PA school you get to start taking care of people quicker. And, like, that's what I really wanted. And my parents were like, there's nothing wrong with PA school, but you're doing this because you're afraid. Mm. And we're like, we don't want you to do anything because you're afraid. And that's the real truth. Yeah, right? yeah. Because it's the truth. Nurses are amazing. Exactly. They have a hard job. Mm -hmm. PAs are very useful. It's a hard school. It's, 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 but many people make that decision mm -hmm. because they have that fear, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they do not have people there who tell them, no, you got it. I mean, if that's what you want to do, exactly. that's completely fine. But, yeah. Yeah, and they challenged me on it. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, you're ruining my life, you know? <laughs> All the drama. Yeah, that I, American kid You know, that's where, the, my, that's where my mom is like, this American girl, this girl. <laughs> um, but I, it, it, I, you know, it's taking a step back and really thinking about it. I was like, yeah, this is out of fear. Um, I, that's when I really started to learn, like, what has now become, like, almost my gospel. And when I do, like, mentoring for people is that, you need to figure out what you're good at mm. and don't like there are going to be things you're not good at and you can't let those things stop you from like going in the direction you're going um wow. i can't i was like i physics i sucked at it the first semester i really thought i was going to do better the second semester i sucked at it again but by the second semester i realized like hey this is not my strong suit mm. but i know what i do bring to the table and i'm i will work my butt off to make sure the things that i do well will be very clear and so that physics will just be like, oh, yeah, this happened, but look at everything else I have to bring to the table. Wow. Mm -hmm. Was it an experience that kind of sealed the deal that told you, like, okay, no matter what, I know it's going to be challenging, mm -hmm. but medicine is, is for me? Um, I honestly think it was when I started doing public health work. Um, I, that was my, public health work was my first real exposure to, like, um, patient, physician, or, mm -hmm. like, healthcare provider client perspective, mm -hmm. and I, I loved it. I loved it, I loved um, getting to work with people in that way, getting to understand their stories. And I say public health was what sealed it, was because I realized that I wanted both. I mm -hmm. wanted to both have, and that was literally my whole personal statement, was that like I wanted to have community, mm -hmm. but I also wanted to have the individual and the one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And so I think in actually doing public health, I realized, oh my goodness, I love this, but I also love the one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And so I know the only way for me to do both is with medicine. And, and that's kind of how I wow. was like, that's what that's I want to That's very logical. You know, <laughs> you got to think about these things. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's mm -hmm. good. So anybody who start applying uh, into medical school, not any anybody, but people that look like us, mm -hmm. when we start applying to medical school, we get face to face with all uh, the stats that are out there. Oh yeah, oh gosh. Two percent of black males mm -hmm. in medicine. Mm -hmm. Five percent of African American mm -hmm. in medicine. Mm -hmm. The percentage of black people in medicine have been going down since 1975 right, or right, something like right, that. Right. How did you how did that hit you like was it a motivation to go in was there doubt that uh this is to maybe i won't be able to get in yeah like 
I'm sure they came at you <laughs> swinging. <laughs> how, how, how did you catch those punches and kept moving forward? Yeah, you know, I think it was one of the big privileges of getting to go to a school like Rice mm. is there are so many pre-medical students at mm. Rice. I think my year, around 40% of people came in pre-med, which is insane, mm. you know. So what that comes with is an academic advising team. Everybody is trained to... Um, council pre-meds, which is not, I now realize, is not the norm at every undergraduate institution. So I think I had wonderful academic counselors mm -hmm. at Rice, wonderful. I was also really involved in the academic advising program. So I was having to study these things about how to get into med school, and I was having to preach it to people. So I was having to like look through and study, and, and like you said, look at the numbers, understand the numbers, but also I realized that the black people that were getting into medical school, they weren't that different from me. Mm. You know, like I was like, okay, I'm realizing the people that are getting in are people who are not afraid to tell their story, mm. people who are not afraid to figure out, like I said, figure out what you're good at and like put the microphone to your mouth and be like, this is what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I can do that. You know, I was seeing people who didn't have perfect grades, who didn't have perfect MCAT scores, but were still getting into really good medical schools. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really helpful for me. Nonetheless, when it was time to apply, I doubted myself the entire time <laughs> and, and was like, I'm not going to get in. I'm so scared. Da, 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 da. But I think when I started getting interviews and looking around and being like, wait a second, the people in these medical schools, like they are passionate. Not all of them are perfect, but they are passionate and they know how to communicate mm. their passions. And I was like, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Not, mm -hmm. not doing things to check off boxes, exactly. but doing things exactly. to leave a legacy. Exactly. And acceptance to medical schools require both uh, strong data mm -hmm. and uh, story. Exactly. Usually exactly. The, the data gets you in the door before the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people out there that look like us who when they get into the room, they kick as harder as anybody. Yeah. They yeah. shine as harder mm -hmm. as anybody, mm -hmm. but they do not have the data to get into the room. Yeah. And one of the simplest reasons for that is the fact that many people that look like us do not have uh, the financial means yeah. to come up with all the preparation, mm -hmm. like MCAT, mm -hmm. uh, all the resources to help with their essays, yeah. how to formulate that story into yeah. something yeah. that is communicable. Yeah. Right? Many people do not realize that many people say, oh, you have the same, you ha there is computers, there is internet, mm -hmm. we have the same resources, mm -hmm. but no. no. This person may have a dad and a mom who's a doctor, who have been telling them, who have been showing them, not even telling them, showing them yeah. every day what being a doctor looks like. Connecting them with their yeah. colleagues to and shadow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this person here uh, never saw that, but at the same time, never saw anyone that looked like them mm -hmm. who's a doctor. Mm -hmm. I came from Guinea, mm -hmm. right? And uh, my dad was a is a physician. Mm -hmm. uh, was he's a physician, mm -hmm. a, a surgeon in Guinea, and uh, I moved here when I was around the age of twelve mm -hmm. uh, with my uncle. But I realized around high school, maybe four years later, I started having the same stereotypes. Whenever I walk in a room and see a black physician. I, I started thinking, wow, there's a black physician. Yeah, yeah. And not because, I mean, growing up with my dad, I, everybody was black. Exactly. But being in this atmosphere, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was like, I started getting surprised. So imagine somebody who never seen exactly. a black physician before. It's exactly. Like, so I feel like there is all those challenges mm -hmm. that keeps them from getting into the room. Mm -hmm. But many people realize that the goal 
is not to get, is not getting in the room is making sure that when they get in the room they're gonna kick yeah and these people the things that they have gone through yeah enable them empowers them to kick as hard as anyone exactly when they get in those rooms exactly i literally in in a lot of stuff like i said I, i've done a lot of like academic advising and counseling and mentoring with pre-med students and it's crazy like you're saying it's either and you talked about not having the financial means but honestly there's more and more so many available resources that people either don't know about or they something about black people sometimes we just like to pick the hard route mm. we like to go the hard way and my whole goal in in um in in undergrad was trying to tell people if there's a scholarship we got to find it we got to mm -hmm. look for there's kaplan has scholarships a lot of these different like um prep study things have different scholarships random associations and organizations are just like giving money out to people to help them like get their training but so often like we're like oh no i need to put my head down i need to study i need to like build my own study schedule and do it myself and i'm like mm -hmm. that's not how people are getting into med school yeah. like i don't think people realize that the majority of people are getting help for studying for mcat like yeah it's not a self-study thing you know? <laughs> part, part of it is their mindset of i have to do what i got right to do. i gotta grind i gotta yeah. do it. i'm like no and and it's it's such a scary way and it's why so I, I feel it's why so many black and brown people when they get then get to medical school they put that same backpack on of like okay now i'm here i gotta focus i gotta grind and do my thing but it's like people aren't getting through medical school they're not getting through life without help yeah. and we have to receive help but also those of us who have made it have to create the help create the to help. make sure that people can can get and it and you hit the nail it's about those resources and uh, the other side is the fact that many people really are not exposed exactly. to those resources exactly. which is the work that mm -hmm. as you said we should be mm -hmm. doing and uh, this is something that i always say uh imagination is key to reaching your full potential yeah. Yeah. You cannot reach your full potential without imagining, being able, having the ability to imagine yeah. yourself being there. Yeah. And uh, exposure is key mm -hmm. to imagination. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. you don't know about it, you cannot even imagine in that space. Yeah. Right? And yeah. when we create that exposure, I feel like it enables people to imagine exactly. uh, and reach their full potential. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I It's... um. I always tell my, when I was trying to help my parents understand not just the Nigerian immigrant or African immigrant, but also just the black American psychological struggle, I made them watch Get Out because that's one of my favorite movies. And I feel like it so well captures oh, the psychological, I know, like people are like, you made, you I was like, yes, they need to watch it because something about sometimes immigrant parents, like at least mine, really struggle to understand the ploy and why black Americans experience, like American-born black Americans experience what they experience. But like to, to what you were saying, a lot of this is like so psychological. Mm. A lot of it is so mental. I know that as a Nigerian immigrant, I have a privilege of having seen a lot of successful Nigerians. You know, mm -hmm. we are very successful people, you know? <laughs> Nigerians are very successful. So I've seen it. I've seen my people mm -hmm. thrive. I've seen them thrive in their country, outside of their country. I've seen my parents leave everything behind and like, just make, make a life out of nothing you know but not everybody has seen that and mm -hmm. so much of it starts in your head like you said seeing it imagining it and then like working towards yeah. it mm -hmm. and the lack of seeing it can definitely be sure. that psychological uh, background for and, sure and my biggest pet peeve is i met so many people uh, i mean in different places and say wow you did that and that 
uh, I can do that. And it hurts me because <laughs> knowing knowing what you, they went through, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the things that they had to navigate to still be alive and do the things that they that and be able to be where they are, yeah. they have all it takes yeah, yeah, to shine. Yeah, I grew up in Guinea, uh, and uh, I had a lot of friends uh, growing up who will never have the opportunity that I have yeah. in terms of coming to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and building their life. But these people were the smartest people. They were so much smarter than yeah. me, and for yeah. me, every time there's an opportunity out there, me saying no to it is feel like an mm. insult to all the people mm. that I grew up with who will never have the opportunity mm. that I had. And sometimes that can be challenging <laughs> and overwhelming when you get uh, when you start getting all these things. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Like there are so many people out there who have what it takes, but don't just don't have the never opportunity. Never get that opportunity. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. ch- so rice mm-hmm. you, you you did amazing on rice of course <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, you after that you took a break a little mm-hmm. bit uh, mm-hmm. before med school and you did you had all that experience mm-hmm. uh, talk about that experience a little bit uh, many people feel like uh, they just medi- the medicine the medical school journey being a physician is a long journey mm-hmm. just need to get at it and uh, finish it as soon as possible. Yeah. But I realized taking a break. Oh yes. To prepare yourself. Yes. To be the best self in medical school is, is way more amazing, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard because you don't want to spend two extra years to do that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's necessary. Can you share more about how your two years help you grow to even be more prepared? Prepared. So I and so I ended up only doing one, and I honestly wish I did more. To be honest, like. So I decided to take a gap year, sophomore year. I was in, ironically, after physics, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this, but I'm taking a gap year. Mm-hmm. And like, to anybody who will hear this, that is my number one piece of advice I give to all undergraduate students. Mm-hmm. Do not fall into a gap year, plan for it. Mm-hmm. Don't like let it happen on accident, because that's when you start to feel like, ah, I I'm spiraling, yeah, I can't do it. Can't. If you plan for it, it can be such a restful and like, purposeful time for you to grow to learn um so i was really grateful that i had i finished undergrad i had already taken my mcat i already had my letters of recommendation my gap year was literally to grow it was to gain more clinical experience um so the two things i was doing i was working in a retina practice um which i don't want to go into ophthalmology (laughs) but but it showed me systems it helped me really understand the system of healthcare. retina practices are like I don't know if you've you know seen them in mm. practice. It is a high output, fast, fast. fast pace. I mean, we, they were telling us to see patients in five minutes. Like you, wow. like right. That's not good patient care, to be honest. Mm. You know, but that's that is that was the system I was in. You know, you need to see them effectively, efficiently. The doctors are like flying down both hallways, giving shots, like counseling. It was just mayhem. It was crazy, but it gave me so much to say on my interview trail about like our system is broken. People are literally coming there because they're losing their vision and you're telling me to see them in five minutes. Mm. That's not fair, you know, and like, but at the same time... It's the only time to kind of put a bandage instead of realizing what's the the root root issue. Exactly. You know, but the thing is at the same time, like, now that I was in a, um, I forget what they they call it, but because I was a technician, 
Um, I realized that it's really easy for physicians to be like, oh, we're gonna like increase the amount of time, we're gonna do this, this, this initiative. Most of the time it's not the physicians doing it, uh. it's the technicians and the nurses. Mm. So it also gave me the perspective of like, before we come up with these flowery big ideas, we need to make sure we're not burning out and we have our people that's gonna do it. Exactly, and like, God knows the physician's not gonna do it, mm -hmm. so like, and so, that was such an invaluable experience and it gave me so much to talk about on my interview trail. I got to like have regular sleeping hours. I got to travel. I got to like spend time with my family. Um, the other big thing I was doing in my gap year was doing a lot of community, community building at my parents' church. And so just meeting people, so coming up with community service projects for our church to do. Um, also just learning how to like handle life. Maturing. Maturing, being an adult. Being an adult. Yeah. I, my classmates that come straight from undergrad, I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Especially at UT, because, well no, I mean, I mean, especially at Dell, because we start in June. Mm -hmm. They literally graduate in May and start in June. I'm like, wow. Wow. And medical school <laughs> is not school. Medical it's, school is training. It's training. Right? You it's, don't come here with the college mentality it, and exactly. think you're gonna, you have to come with like a, you are training, mm -hmm. you are in training. Mm -hmm. So you focus, you put in the work, and that requires a lot of maturity. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, and it requires also, you gotta know yourself. You gotta know when, oop, I need to take a step back. I'm kind of like about to spiral <laughs> off the deep end. And I just feel like if that gap year or years, honestly, um, helps people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like pro gap year. No one should <laughs> be going straight into med school. Like, really, no one should. Talking about that, I, I really like the fact that you said don't fall into mm -hmm. it you have to plan it because mm -hmm. i remember when after i told everyone that i when i was anyone that i was telling that i was going to work as an engineer for a few years before coming back to med school they're like you're not coming back like <laughs> after you start getting paid that much you're not gonna leave that but you're right i planned it yeah right i took i took my mcat uh during my senior year to make sure that I don't have to worry exactly, about that. Exactly, exactly. Right, I, I, I planned it, I, I planned the system around me to, to work through uh, my applications uh, while I was working, but I also make sure that I got into a specific job that's gonna be beneficial for me uh, later mm -hmm. as a physician, mm -hmm. uh, optimization, optimizational engineering. And uh, at the same time, what the other thing is, like I really planified it. I made sure I, I started volunteering mm -hmm. at, at Houston Hospice, mm -hmm. and every Saturday I volunteered, and I really loved it. Meeting people that really brought me closer to like this is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Right, and uh, you're right. You have to plan it. Yeah. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You plan to fail. I, I I'm I'm I try not to planify. I think med students we that is like. Our go-to is like, okay, I'll just make a plan. Yeah. Like, it's okay. I'll make At least the big idea. Yeah, yeah, but no, you're. I think it's with with the big things. It, it planning just opens up so much more opportunity mm -hmm. for intentional growth and intentional learning. And when I'm like doing mentoring and I'm seeing people still holding on to going straight into med school, I was like, you gotta let it go. Mm -hmm. And like the mo go, I always tell people, go at the pace that you need to go. Exactly. Go at the pace that is best for you because. No, when you apply to med school, no one's like, really? Three mm -hmm. gap years? Like, seriously? You yeah. know? Okay, what'd you do? Tell me what you <laughs> did, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I really liked my job because I, I was working, I was given a lot of big responsibilities, working with different parts, of, mm -hmm. in different parts of the world, and all of that. But at the same time, the fact that I knew my deadline 
I really work hard to make sure that I get everything that I needed to get. Yeah. Exactly. Out of it. Exactly. I was the only one who knew because I couldn't tell my boss. Oh, of course. No, you got to keep that to yourself. Everybody were there just trying to give me mentorship. You're going to go ways and all of that. You're like, y'all knowing, don't even know. Knowing, <laughs> knowing, knowing my plan. But I pushed. People wanted to teach and I accepted everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My mentality was like, I'm going to have the honor mentality instead of the tenor mentality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is my home mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to get to, to make as much value as possible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, get as much value as mm-hmm. possible before I keep moving. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, really no companies care about you. They care about the value that you bring in. Yeah. And what you should care about is not really about the, what, what they pay or something, but how much value you yeah. can give. Because exactly. the magnitude of that value is that what keeps you having a job and that's what keeps people calling you for jobs. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's... um. Money is just a form that we use mm-hmm. to, like, you know, get by and pay people. But the value component, like... You, you get paid for your value, Exactly. Basically. You get paid for your value, and, and it opens... That's... It's the value. No one mm-hmm. looks at your, like, your salary and is like, oh, you made X amount of dollars. You definitely deserve this job. Yeah. No, it's like, what have you done? What do you bring to the exactly. table? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And no one... No one feel... Okay, I, I, I want to make sure I get this right, because <laughs> this is a big, important point. Mm-hmm. No one want to be underpaid. Mm-hmm. But if you want to keep getting paid more, you have to always bring more value than what you are being paid yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. It's, mm-hmm. As soon as your value get below your paycheck, they may find someone else who <laughs> deserve that paycheck. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's not until it because no one wants to be underpaid. No one want to get paid less than what they mm-hmm. deserve. Mm-hmm. But... If you want to keep deserving more, you have to have more value. For sure. And many people don't like that, but yeah. that's the fact. It's not even just in a job, it's in life. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the hard thing that I, more recently in my third year, third year have been facing has just been the exhaustion. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have this mentality, and you said something earlier um you're talking about when you think about back home the people that don't have these opportunities and it pushes you and it can get overwhelming Mm -hmm. i think that point of like this mentality of like i i want to bring value to the table we we are blessed to be getting to bring value to a field like medicine where like there's also Mm -hmm. it feels good to Mm -hmm. help people but it can it gets exhausting Mm -hmm. it gets really tiring and um i think one flaw of medical school um that i hope that i can continue to work on and bring to dell is like training people to, to um, training people to have the emotional and mental um, sturdiness and mm. capacity to get through mm. you know that the, that people a lot of physicians are not well mm-hmm. they're not well and wow. it's and it's because they don't I think again as an immigrant I think we have a lot of advantages of um, knowing what real poverty is mm. you know we know what real suffering is mm. and we and you know as hard as things get we can't take it for granted it's like ingrained in our head mm. a lot of people don't have that perspective a lot of people med school is like the hardest thing they have ever been through and it's it is rocking them you know mm. and i just don't think i hope that in years to come medical schools can do better at training not just training me to do the job but like training me to like last training me to stay in this job, training mm-hmm. me to have a good heart when I'm taking care of patients as Definitely. Well. Mm-hmm. And you're right about that. I mean, medical school is hard and it gets very tough, but the way I see it is like, this is a privilege. Exactly, exactly. I have to like, 
not everybody gets to be yeah, here yeah. so no matter how hard it is i better buckle up and, 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 and do stay. it yeah it's it's crazy how that that exact sentiment like what I, I guess what i'm trying to say is how can we help med students keep that sentiment mm. in mind because that's what keeps you going yeah. you know but something happens in med school um, where if you're not careful um, you kind of go into like self-preservation mode <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's hard for you to remember why am i doing this again mm -hmm. like why am i not sleeping <laughs> like why am, why am i having to wake up early but like you're saying when you keep in mind this is a privilege this is honorable good work that mm -hmm. has to be done um, it, it definitely keeps you going. That's amazing. Going. Talk about, uh, I mean, you you had uh, some challenges in undergrad mm -hmm. adapting. Mm -hmm. uh, did you face the same challenges when you came to medical school? Oh, gosh. Smaller. Oh, no worries. Actually, it was harder. I wouldn't even lie to you. I think, um, yeah, Austin has probably been one of the hardest times. And I say Austin because I don't want to put it all on medical school. Mm. I moved during, I moved in June 2020, like mm. possibly the worst time to move to a new city. Um, you know, coming out of Rice, I had, I was like involved in my African Student Association. I mean, I was like capital B black. I was basically around black people all the time. And all of my close friends were very similar to mm. me, very similar to me. Um, but I was like, in coming to Dell, Dell was my first choice. I was like, I'm so happy to be coming here. Um, and I was like, I've done this before. I, in high school, I was at, you know the only you know black person it's gonna be fine mm. i came to dell and i again i don't just blame it on dell it's austin because mm. austin is a type of way and it, it was during coronavirus it was during the virus where we and we were doing zoom medical school wow. it was rough i would be lying to you if i the, the days that i felt like quitting was not because oh med school is hard i just felt like i was so isolated wow. it's the same thing everyone was experiencing during covid but like for me, it felt like times a billion because not only am I isolated emotionally, like mentally, culturally, I I was the only black woman in my class. Mm -hmm. And it was, when I tell people, I can still bold face tell people to come to Dell because I know so much of what I went through was mm -hmm. because of my unique situation. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was really hard. My classmates are great, but in reflection, I realized that I could not appreciate them for what they brought to the table because I so much wanted my community. Mm. And I could not, I just could not. Recreate that. I couldn't, you know, I can't turn people into what they're not and I really struggled to appreciate them for who they were. Especially into Zoom. <laughs> On Zoom, exactly. Yeah. On Zoom. And uh, I mean, 2020 was crazy. Yeah. I remember March, March 13, 2020. Mm -hmm. I was, it was around 6, 6.30 a.m. I was running uh, back uh, <laughs> to, to the gym mm -hmm. at Greg mm -hmm. and uh, I turned my phone on. Uh, I mean, I looked at my phone when I got to the gym and saw an email and it says, the president of UT uh, may mm -hmm. have gotten uh, Corona. Co wow. And uh, it's getting worse basically, mm -hmm. right? And then uh, three days later, they kind of shut the school down. We mm -hmm. went to spring break and mm -hmm. they said, don't come back. Don't come back, <laughs> and, yeah. and stuff. And it's crazy. Everybody was thinking, oh, this is going to be two months, three months. Then we come back, you know, before we graduate two years later. And I cannot, one of the things that I could not imagine, of course, I did Zoom for two years, two months before I graduated. Mm -hmm. But it was really nothing because I was just going back. Uh -huh. But I could not imagine doing my first year of college or anything in, medic in Zoom. In Zoom. Oh, no, that and was terrible. Then later... All those issues started happening, 
of course when people at home don't have anything to do mm-hmm. they try to find something exciting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those things that somebody did i mean one of the things that came out to light is some of the atrocities that are being done uh, to people that look like us mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Uh, in the media uh, police killing black mm-hmm. people to keep it simply and that during that time with everything that was going on it accentuated oh yeah uh emotions oh, yeah. and people could not ignore it because you were at home watching tv all day mm-hmm. and it brought different feelings oh, i yeah. feel like we were all hurt as people but no one was there to talk through it so mm-hmm. everybody have to come up with their own way to cope mm-hmm. And many people fall in depressions and oh, stuff yeah? like that. Mm-hmm. Talk about that time where you had to do one of the hardest thing in your life, medical school, through the hardest thing in your life, Zoom, yeah. <laughs> uh, that you ever experienced before, and, and all of that going on. Did you feel the support, first of all? Did you feel the support that you needed to feel at that time to go through that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the short answer is no. The short answer is no. I... I really look back at that time and I'm like, I don't know how I made it. Mm. I really, I've like, I'm usually a very mentally strong person, but I felt like I was being like undone. Like somebody pulling the shoelaces out of a shoe. Like I just felt like, I, that's, that's literally what it felt like. Um, academics, and people always are like, ah, oh, cause med school. I'm like, it wasn't even the med school. Like, I mean, that was just something that I had to do. Um, but it was studying is easier it's getting the emotional state exactly it's it's getting the emotional state and and the thing is i was in this weird the beginning of med school interestingly i was probably the most like effective studier i've ever been in my life Mm -hmm. because i was just in like grind i was just grinding it out but i was not emotionally supported at all Mm -hmm. so when of course the day that i cracked i cracked you know because because i had been just like neglecting and ignoring i'm like i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine um i lived alone um that was also not a great idea um i was also um in a long distance relationship that was really hard um it was just so much isolation isolation um a place that i would usually quickly run to for emotional support as I've shared a couple times is my faith Mm -hmm. and churches were all virtual there is nothing to do in person you know you you like go to class on zoom study at home there were days like four days in a row I would not step out of my apartment literally I just wouldn't get out of the apartment I mean I probably became extremely vitamin D deficient from just (laughs) sitting in my apartment and I was grinding 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 like wow I'm learning so much med school is great but I was like being unraveled, basically. And, and the world were being destroyed out there. The world was being destroyed. Nigeria was going through all sorts of crazy stuff. That oh, was when yeah. the NSARS was going on. The election was going on. Then the snowstorm happened in January here. Wow. Like, it was did so you get out, Did you have to get out of your apartment? Abs- I slept at HLB. <laughs> I slept here for two wow. nights. Literally, this is like in the middle of our microbiology block. We are having Whoa. all of this happening. I let my, my neighbor's apartment gets flooded. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hosting somebody else, and we realize that my place is not safe to stay anymore. We slept at HLB for two nights before wow. I ended up staying at a, at a classmate's, sleeping in their living room for like four more nights before I got water. In the middle of medical school, in the middle of COVID. It was just like. 
I was like, I should have just deferred. You know, if I had just deferred one <laughs> year, year, I would have been like, oh my gosh, that sounds so difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think our and class that- is... Uh, the the whole global like nationally the class of twenty twenty four in medical school is scarred we're wow. <laughs> we're scarred people wow and you um, overcame it yes you're you're laughing at it now you yeah. became better for I it I did I mean I I always say like my my mom I know and she said it out loud too because she's that kind of person she was like you could have just stayed in Houston you know because I did get into Baylor and she was like you could have just gone to Baylor wow. um, but for me I was like no I needed to come here there are some key things I have learned through going through those experiences mm-hmm. um, when you talked about smiling and, and making people feel welcome like I feel like it's personal I don't want anybody to feel what I felt and I want people to feel welcome and feel wow. accepted and those kind of things you don't pray uh, that to happen to anyone exactly but after it's done to you you kind of say wow mm-hmm. i'm glad mm-hmm. i went through this because mm-hmm. you become a better person, a better person. on the other side exactly. a more tougher person exactly and more empathetic mm-hmm. you know more empathetic i i have a deep appreciation for what makes what what makes it difficult for black and brown people to make it in medicine mm-hmm. i think it, academics can be part of it but i think also we go through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. We go through a lot of things, and a lot of medical schools are yet to institutionalize the kind of support the black and pro- black and brown people need. Mm-hmm. It's um, things like SNMA, which is Student National Medical Association and Latin Medical Student Association. They exist, but they're not like at the core mm-hmm. of a med school's existence. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some medical students, it's it's a it's a matter of like staying in medical school. Yeah. I need that support, and so for me. Um, it's so important for me to like be very aggressive with those type of entities because I'm like it may not be what everybody needs but there's going to be some black and brown students that are heavily dependent and reliant on this community to get through medical school you've summed it up right? <laughs> this is why I'm doing this yeah. I, I feel like yeah. uh, it's important to have this platform to get people yeah. to know that though there are not many people, there are people who yeah. are doing it. Yeah. And uh, the people that are doing it are not aliens. They are not people that are so much different than That's you. That's what Nigerians say, you don't have five heads. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have five they heads. They don't have five heads. <laughs> you can do it, they yeah. can do it yeah. too. And I was very pissed when I heard that SNMA overall budget was 250 bucks for the whole year. Oh, that's a whole other podcast. Talking about that's a whole other podcast. Talking about it's not the existence of yeah. medical school. Yeah. At least show that you, that like you, you want them to be functional. Yeah. Two fifty bucks. I mean, and that's two fifty that we raised for ourselves. That so the way it, that's a whole another whole another thing is systems. And I think, like you said, you know, you being you said um, an optimizational engineer. Yeah. Just learning how to work systems, learning how to even outside of engineering, whatever it is, like when you realize, like, I can't, I want to be mad at Dell, but it's really not Dell's problem. Mm-hmm. This is like a UT problem. This mm-hmm. is like a national, how national funds problem. are distributed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, th- that 250 is like money that we fundraised. Yeah. Um, we're given money to like a, a certain allotment to go on conferences, but in mm-hmm. terms of like our day-to-day operations as an organization, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Talking about wanting to increase the percentages, 
is not enough. Exactly. You have to put some action. Exactly. And I'm speaking to the people who can put some action. Exactly. Right exactly. And we'll keep we'll keep knocking at those doors. Mm -hmm. We'll keep trying mm -hmm. to knock mm -hmm. and uh, sit at those tables yeah. and talking through this. Yeah. And it's so and for you know anyone that gets into that space, I think the most important thing, like you said, is knocking on the door. But like you said this earlier, whenever you get into the room, be ready. Mm -hmm. Know what you're gonna say. Mm -hmm. Know your story. Know why you're doing what you're doing. Um, there's so much data to support that black and brown physicians, we're good at what we do. Mm -hmm. And we don't just help black and brown people, we help everybody. And we take it serious exactly. because if one person fall, it can't stop exactly. two other people coming in. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So we, it's unfortunate, but we're still at a point where each success could lead to success of so many other people. Exactly. So we don't take it for granted. Do not. Exactly. We don't live just for ourselves. We don't train just for ourselves. Exactly. We train for all the people exactly. that could come exactly. uh, in the future. Yeah. So with all of that... <laughs> Got a little passionate. <laughs> with all those ama uh, amazing experiences, mm -hmm. you became better. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you are shining <laughs> in medical school. But you decided to go the hard way. I did. You you decided to to get married. <laughs> Many yeah. people don't think uh, yeah. wedding while in medical school yeah. is a big thing, but a very smart man, my hero, told me that there are some things that you don't plan in life. Exactly. When they get to you, just have them. That was my father. Your father, and, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so you found you found your I mean you and your uh, uh, significant mm -hmm, other decided mm -hmm. to to take this journey yeah. together during uh, mm -hmm. medical school. Mm -hmm. How was that uh, planning like? Oh dear God, you know, we, we met in while I was at Rice still, so we've been dating for quite some time. Um, and I think the, the moral of the story is, is the journey in terms of building a relationship. Um, once we got to the point where we were like, we're committed to each other, um, that kind of got rid of all the like, I don't know what he's about to, like, you just, you, at some point we were like, if we're going to do this in medical school, we've got to like not do that part. We don't have time for the games. We don't have time for the, all the questioning. This is going to be hard and we need to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. We need to be teammates and we need to be like ready to tackle this. Um, he goes to Emory University. Um, Med medical school? Medical school as well. Let's I go. know. Every, every Nigerian parent's dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> every Nigerian parent's dream come true. Um, and so... We just knew we had to be ready, you know. We're teammates, this is gonna be hard. Um, I've learned so much about patience, communication, all, you know, the things we learned in marriage, like, but having to be in a long distance relationship while in both being in medical school um, has been really, really helpful, really, uh, really good. Mm. I can't imagine your mom talking to her friend, see, I don't get one doctor, <laughs> I get two. I get two, <laughs> I get two. Oh my gosh, yeah, he's great. I am. Uh, my, my, my husband's a phenomenal person, and I, I think I knew that I could only be married to someone in medicine that valued family, mm. um, because I, you know, it would be like, dear God, like, the one thing I don't want is to marry someone in medicine, and like, of course, that's what happens, because I was so afraid of, you know, two people that are just so absorbed in their work, um, but he is similarly very focused on family, focused on faith, focused on building community, mm. and is really good at connecting with people and i think it just makes it work it that is amazing that is good that is cool that is cool it's not uh building i mean when you are talking and dating and stuff right there's some flexibility but when you 
tie that knot yep. and you, and you become as one, mm-hmm. right? Now it's not about building a relationship, but it's about building the foundation right. for our family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Strengthening our relationship so we can start thriving together, mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of time. That that mm-hmm. that is hard, especially when you guys are doing very hard things right. in life, right? Mm. How did you continue every day to 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 manage that and build that relate and build that foundation? That foundation, you know, I think honestly, and you know, kind of ties to what I'm doing in Atlanta. But I think honestly, going through medical school, a, a big plus for coming to Dell was knowing that I could be in Atlanta my third year mm-hmm. for two reasons, like. Career-wise, I wanted to work with black urban populations, mm-hmm. and no offense, Austin does not have that really, like, in that, you know, those niche communities, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to go to Atlanta for that reason. Secondly, I was like, the only way I'm getting married is if we can have our first year of marriage together. I was like, otherwise, yeah. it's not going to work, you know, um, and so when you talk about the process of building that foundation, a big motivating factor was that we're going to physically be in the same space, mm-hmm. um, because it was really important for us to see what our schedules look like, see what are you, what is important to you, what's important to the other person. Um, and like you said, realizing that it's hard now, but our careers are also not easy. You know, it's gonna be hard in our careers too. And when we build that foundation of valuing each other's time, um, boundary setting with work and with each other, you know, all of that stuff is, I'm so grateful it's hard, but we're getting to work on it now. Um, and just being good friends, you know, mm-hmm. supporting each other. He comes home from his surgery rotation, is exhausted. I can be like, okay, tell me about your cases, and we can talk through them yeah, and stuff. That's cool. so, you know, that's it's, cool. it's nice, you know, having someone that knows medicine as well so we can like have back and forth and supporting yeah, each other. Especially in, in this job, this is things that you don't keep at work. You exactly. Have to bring at home. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need that extra brain to help you think through it. Exactly. And brainstorm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And uh, many people wonder like as some people say I don't I don't want to get married until I finish and all of mm-hmm. that. And this is similar to me and my wife what we talked about from when we decided to like this is the best time to do it mm-hmm. is there is something amazing about growing up together exactly right exactly. we all right i mean medical school she's about to go into law school and we're all gonna have tough a lot of tough mm-hmm. but it's so much easier to get all of the mistakes yeah. out together yeah. mm-hmm. grow together yeah. and from that strong uh, bond than to to meet someone once you're already kind of mature on your right. own way and stuff. I mean, right. some people make it work, yeah. but I feel like it's nicer when you have that person who's seen you cry, <laughs> exactly. bleed, sweat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Humble beginnings. They've seen the beginning part. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And mm-hmm. no matter w- how far you go in life, you'll appreciate that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and you'll always be able to connect to that person, mm-hmm. and you can never be how to call it underestimate at the help of that person mm-hmm. because she was there when you were nothing <laughs> exactly right and you exactly you cannot second guess the fact that is this person here because of everything mm-hmm. or is they here because they love me yeah because so i'm like i have negative right now so like <laughs> i have negative dollar values so <laughs> if they love you when you have negative they really they love, love you when you got positive, positive. <laughs> that's that's it write that one down that's a good one <laughs> that's amazing yeah but that's good mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. i wish i wish you the best yeah. and uh, i feel like 
even though it doesn't seem like it, people say we're crazy, but we are doing it the right we're way. We're doing it, are we? Yeah, and I think I I could not imagine any other way. Mm-hmm. Like that's like you're saying, like that's your that's your person, that's your partner, that is your friend. Um, aside from like planning a Nigerian wedding, which is yeah, you have to have a the wedding most, in every city, the most because <laughs> you have to have uh, weddings for your friends. If, too. You know, it's the most. I, like once that was over, I was like business as usual mm-hmm. let's do this like let's create let's let's create our foundation let's mm-hmm. start you know so i think it, yeah huh partnership mm-hmm. partnership partnership love mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. amazing so uh, i know we <laughs> <laughs> you have somewhere to be and we're definitely gonna have more uh, episodes uh, i hope to bring you yeah. back but because you definitely have a lot of things to say <laughs> to the younger generation out there mm-hmm. but before we go uh I'm sure one thing that goes to our heart, you, you may have come to the uh, U.S. at age two, but you've been going back to Nigeria mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. the state mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. healthcare in yeah, African countries. Yeah. There are a lot of things to be done. Mm-hmm. There are some good examples in specific places, but there are a lot of things to be done. And one thing that is that we are different from our parents and ancestors, our parents is like, go to school, be the best you can be and get the best job. Yeah. Our mindset is go to school, be the best you can be, and create jobs yeah, in a way. Yeah, uh, you don't yeah. have to just get good jobs. You can't be yeah. a personal creator. You can't yeah. you can't lead. And another thing is the fact that our parents is like they had to come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. or they had to go back. Like they have, but we have the opportunity to be global impactors. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to be just in the United States mm-hmm. or just in Africa. Mm-hmm. We can be all over the place. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. For and, sure. Uh, what are some things that you are thinking about in terms of uh, future work, potential work, especially uh, you guys are a team of two a doctors. A team of two, yeah. One person can go six months. <laughs> <and the rest laughs> what um, are some things that you are hoping to do in the future? Yeah. Out there? Dreams. I know right now it can just be dreams. What are some dreams out there that you are hoping to tap in? Yeah. Um, so my passion is, is children. I mm. love, I just feel like everything starts with kids because we all started as kids and yep. so much of what we have the mental capacity to do starts from childhood mm-hmm. and so so much of the traumas that people endure is like the big wall before them in their 30s that they like what's wrong with me and it's because of something that happened in childhood mm-hmm. and i feel like um children all over the african continent especially sub-saharan africa go through so many things that we do not these kids don't have they don't what is they don't even know what processing is like that's just not what we culturally do mm-hmm. we just kind of keep going so i think dream projects is to figure out um i feel like a lot of global health work emphasis is on like surgical things mm-hmm. but i want to figure out how there can be more um emotional social growth health kind of stuff um in the pediatric global health world mm-hmm. um i feel like there are very sick kids that need big surgical, big um, in medically intensive stuff, but there are a lot of kids that just can't make it further in life because of the things they've been through, mm. and they just need the tools to process. I think the hard part is finding culturally appropriate ways to bring that into a space. Nobody, like, every time I talk to my mom, I'm like, mom, how are you feeling? She's like, I beg, leave me. With the, mm. this all your American, you know, stuff. So, we, you <laughs> know, exactly. She's like, please, 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 you know. It can't just be about feelings. Like, really finding the language of, like, how do we help these children mm-hmm. believe in themselves? Mm. See, I, I, like, looking at myself versus my cousins, I'm like, 
we're the same like we're literally cut from the same cloth but there's a level of like i can do it that i have that they don't have mm. you know so i think that's kind of like my my big dream is just influencing children to believe in themselves and to go for it yeah. definitely there are enough challenges out there that create that solid foundation mm -hmm. for every kid who mm -hmm. grew up in these uh, african countries mm -hmm. and the lack is the system exactly that enables them to use that beautiful foundation exactly and be the best they, and can, best be. they can be and the few people that get that that get the opportunity uh that get the opportunity to use that foundation yeah. shine exactly amazingly right? yeah exactly. but there are so many uh, out there who don't have those systems mm -hmm. and one of my biggest thing is i hope to i hope to contribute to help uh <laughs> get people out of the mentality of uh let me give help to these people in this country let me give her but yeah. instead let me accompany them mm -hmm. let mm -hmm. me create systems that enables them to yeah. help themselves exactly right exactly instead of helping sponsoring a kid to come here for a school let me sponsor to build a school exactly where this kid can go and be uh, the best in that country exactly right? exactly or even they come here figuring out a way to get them back so they mm -hmm. can work in the country mm -hmm. and, and that's the go and i cannot blame anyone who come and stay here because it's unrealistic to come here to have a work as hard as you can have a degree and then leave uh whatever you are getting paid here to go to the, yeah. to go to whatever you're coming from and yeah. pay the less because the money that you are getting paid is not for you it's for the family that exactly you can help, exactly right exactly. if you go back there you just it's another mouth to feed. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. It, it's a challenge, but one of the exciting thing is there are so many people here uh, who who've been grinding, mm -hmm. and uh, we are mm -hmm. not one or two anymore. Now yeah. we are thousands. And Love I feel it. like I feel like uh, we also have the how to call it the tongue for collaboration. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We are really to collaborate more, mm -hmm. and uh, together we go much farther. We go farther, and it's like. Even, like sam summarizing even what you just said in our small microcosm of Dell Medical School, mm -hmm. like Dell Med today is not what Dell Med was mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, and it's because of people who collaborate, people who like bring people in, people who like open doors. So this is this is the work we have to do, even in our tiny school of two hundred people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, opening those doors, collaborating, working together hyping each other up that's like my favorite thing to do is just hype people up and be like you can do it i don't even know what you're trying to do but you can do it, <laughs> you can do it. yeah in this yeah. year i mean in the last year right now mm -hmm. my year uh, ms1 mm -hmm. we are 50 yeah. and we are about five pers five, uh, five. Black students mm -hmm. that's about 10 person mm -hmm. uh i mean and latino i think is similar mm -hmm. uh, but it is the higher one of the higher percentages yeah right? And my goal uh, through this platform is to increase that 10% to at least 25% by the time I leave uh, yeah. Adele. Uh, but yeah, we have, we have a lot of work to we do. We have work to do. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. I mean, this is the, these are the things we can do. Showing, I, like, my big pitch for Dell Medical School to anyone is that this is a school that if you are passionate about something, it can happen here. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of med schools, 
no shade but like a lot of med schools like are very rigid mm -hmm. um and who knows maybe del med will become rigid one day but today is not that day they you, stuck to their ways yeah today <laughs> is not that day there's so many opportunities i'm in atlanta for god's sakes like mm -hmm. doing my completely own thing mm -hmm. um um, because our curriculum provides for it. So I, I was at an event the other um, day with a lot of um, students in BHP with UT, and I was literally telling them, I was like, even though a lot of you want to get out of Austin, I will tell you that Del Med is a place where black people can do very well mm -hmm. because we're passionate people. Exactly. We're very passionate. And this exactly. is a place where if you've got a passion, you can literally shine. Oh, you wow. can shine so well. That's amazing. Yeah. You need to come back. <laughs> I'll be back. I can't wait this. for fourth year. I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But thank you so much for the time. Of course, of and course, of course. We started around six thirty, and the sun is up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, keep shining. Thank in the you. Meantime. Me too. Keep Me doing too. great things. Out Running there. at whatever time in the morning. Oh my <laughs> keep, lord. Keep, keep leading the way, and, yeah. and we'll follow. Of course. Uh, it's Yay. nice to meet uh, you, you guys who have been going through stuff and mm -hmm. just getting your expertise on things. And Thank you. Hopefully we we can bring, uh, we can build on more, we can build more on what you guys already did. I meant to that. Right. Thank you for having me. Keep shining. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking your time and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way, share it with a friend, family, and loved ones.